Welcome to SU Podcast in association with the Talbot Hotel in Carlo. Join us every week for deep dives into various topics featuring guests from all walks of life. Sit back, relax and happy listening. And you are very welcome to another SU podcast here on the ITCSU Broadcasting Network in association with the Talbot Hotel in Carlo. Hope you're keeping well wherever you might be listening. Um, and remember, you can always get in touch with us um, through any of our socials. ITCSU is normally the handle um, available on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instas and the Snapchats. And also, of course, on our website, www.itcsu.ie, where all the latest content from the broadcast network, uh, whether it is SUTV or SU Podcasts. Today's show brought to you by Swans Electrical and we are delighted to be joined um, by a panel of people, um, some who will be in the first half of the show and then after the break uh, we'll have another few joining us as well. Um, But at the minute um, we are delighted to be joined by John Paul Payne from Carlo Carlo Pride Festival, I was going to say Arts Festival there, I don't know why, Um, and then David Allen. David Allen, I, I, I'm losing it. David Allen, uh, who is a lecturer in the um, uh, Faculty of Engineering. Folks, you're very, very welcome to uh, the show. Thanks a million for being with us. The main reason we're here um, today is to talk about um, gender expression and a a new policy that's been introduced into Carlo. But I want to start off uh, maybe with um, John. What is gender expression? Well, I suppose, put simply, um, gender expression um, and having a gender expression uh, policy is understanding that there is a difference between gender identity, gender expression, and the physical sex of someone assigned at birth. Mm. So it's recognizing that fact and also respecting it. Mm. Um, so that would be my take on what that is in a sentence. Now, there's lots of other things that um, that means to other people. Um, but in a nutshell, it's just recognizing that fact. And I suppose you've been involved with Carlo Pride Festival, which we'll go into in a minute sure. for many, many years. But at what point did you start with the campaigning? Why why did you get involved in such, um, I suppose, a campaign policy? Yeah, so I suppose, you know, for years I lived abroad and I lived in America for a long time. I lived in Canada and I lived in Ireland through the very meek 1990s. I had a very awful experience throughout that time. Um, but, you know, do, that experience for luck didn't define me. Um, and I'm one of the lucky ones. I cl- class myself as one of the lucky ones. So I had a very successful life in America and Canada and I ended up having my own TV show over there. And when I was on that TV show, I met a lot of very interesting people because I would interview people that were like celebrities, local celebrities. And I funny enough, met a lot of people who were part of the LGBTQI community. And as I met them, I got more involved and more involved and realized that there were so many things missing here in Ireland that we didn't have that they had the advantage over us in North America when it came to even small things. Um, so when I came back to Ireland, my first mission was to say, look, I could see Ireland had just come out of the Marriage Equality Act um, and that was very successful. but. It was starting to slip back a little bit for people. And I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to live here, I have the power to also create the world I want to live in. So um, I one night before I went to bed, created a Facebook page called Carol Pride Festival, like how all good things are created nowadays. <laughs> and I woke up to 600 likes and lots of messages. Um, and that ball rolled then, you know, mm. we gathered a committee 
and we've had we've won national awards um we've we've changed the lives of so many people to have wrote to us um and what we've done with carla pride festival is created something that isn't about us it's not about my lived experience or anyone who's on the committee um but it's more about people forming it for their own reasons mm. so people feel like they own it so in fact I'm very passionate about Carla Pride Festival, but you'll meet people on the street that are much more passionate about it mm. than I am. And they're, they are spectators of it. So um, it has been a very proud moment for Carlo. Um, I'm very humbled to be part of that whole process. But like the reason we're here today, there's still some things that we need to discuss and talk about as a community of people um, to make the world a better place to live in for some people. And when you lived in America versus Ireland, was there much of a difference in the, I suppose, the acceptance of being either gay, lesbian, whatever, or was it very much the same? So there's probably two factors to that. The first factor is probably societally, legislatively, I can't even talk properly. Neither can I. You know the word I'm talking about. Yeah, and you're the host. Michael couldn't get my name right. It's the simplest name. But yeah, so like... Um, legally, there's, there's, there's laws that are passed and um, from the outside, you can say that more, one country is more progressive than the other. So you'll always see those kind of polls and things. On Wikipedia, there's scales. You can see which one's more LGBTQI friendly, etc. But on the ground, in real life, um, with real people, even the most progressive country, you still have parents that don't accept their kids. Um, there's still lots of work to be done in all countries. Um, it's all about education. It's all about having an open conversation. Um, and one of the things that I learned on this journey as well, we have met so many interesting people in Carlo that we didn't know were here because people don't have a voice. So we in Carlo Pride Festival give people a voice. And sometimes it might be someone who has a disability, but also might be trans, whatever the case may be. And those people generally wouldn't have an audience to tell their experience to. So we give them the, the experience or the audience. And one of the things that our Grand Marshal last year said her, uh, her name is River Phoenix. Um, they said that when they had come out to their parents, that they also had to give their parents time to adjust to that. And I thought that was very kind of uh, something I never had heard before, that you also have to give someone time to to work their way around that in their own mind. So I think that's what these kind of discussions are facilitating, mm. is having that open conversation and allowing that like freedom of conversation to happen. Yeah. And at what point, uh, Dave, did you get involved with the, um, I suppose it, it didn't start off as the EDI, it was a different name. It started start off this Tina Swan Self-Assessment mm. Committee. So the Tina Swan Committee, or Tina Swan Projects uh, started off in England um, about 10 years ago. Uh, it started off with a wonderful woman called Dame Jocelyn Bell Burnell. Um, she she actually discovered pulsars, but was never given the Nobel Prize for her professor got it because women at the time, and especially female engineers, didn't get the prizes. So she started this project to get women recognised in academia, and then it came across here, and the government took it up and started to tie research funding into it. The Athena Swan Committee was set up in Carlo under uh, Dr. Alison Keneally. And Alison then decided that we weren't just going to look at male-female equality within the campus. We were actually going to push uh, and bring in a charter that recognised everyone so the campus would become friendly and open to everyone. 
Um, and that's how I got started involved. That's how I got involved with the Athena Swan. Mm. Um, and then I chaired the working group on intersectionality um, and, and trans. And it just, it's something my, my daughter is 17, so she's come out. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, for my part, it's a bit selfish. I mean, I'm, a, I'm of an age now where, like, I was here during the 70s and 80s, and there was no gay people in Ireland, let alone anyone else. And it just wasn't talked about. Um, and I don't want my daughter growing up. I want my daughter, when she goes to college, when she goes into the world, to not to have to face any stuff, maybe what John Paul would have faced when he was younger, or what I'm, I'm a gay cousin, what he faced when he was younger. Mm. Um, and, and I don't want her or any of her friends to, to have to face that. And when you did the, I suppose, the Athena Swan, it, it wasn't an easy, you know, quick process. It took a long time this, to get through. This, the gender expression policy probably took us the guts of a year and a half to get through. And it was at times quite contentious. And I, I honestly now, my heart now, I put that down to the fact that the people involved with it felt it was that important that it wasn't just something to push out. And we fought over quite a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I like stand over, I think we've got a very good policy now that we are, we are going to launch. And I think it's something that the camp or the college and everyone who worked in it should be extremely proud of. And what's the main aim is the, of, of the policy? What? The main aim of the policy is to ensure that we have in Carlo IT, a place where someone who's trans feels free and feels safe to be able to express themselves in whatever gender or non-gender that they that they want to be, that they can come in and they can be themselves. So there's no point coming to study if you don't feel safe, right? Or you don't feel accepted because you're not going to study, you're not going to enjoy it. But if you come in here, and it's a safe place, and we're recognised as a safe place. Someone can release some of that baggage, maybe, and and get on with just what they were here to do, which is to learn. Mm. You talk about uh, safe space. I suppose, um, John Paul, when you you said there when the festival was created, it created a whole new network and community. Um, and when when was the first year of the festival? Uh, tw- last year, twenty nineteen. And huge numbers attended. Yeah which was phenomenal. And did you get the response saying, thank you for opening up this network for, for I suppose, getting people talking? Yeah, so I think, firstly, we were the biggest outdoor festival ever held in Carlow. Taking I, that I was, one. I was yeah. honest, it was it yeah. was really yeah. day um, And how that all came about was, when we set up the page first, the very, very first message I ever received, and I know that person might be listening to this podcast, I'm sorry, because <laughs> I always tell the story. But the very first message that that Carlo Pride Festival Facebook page ever received was a message from uh, a woman who was gay saying that Carlo's not ready. Please don't do this. So that is more reflection of how we feel as people who are scarred. Um, And when the festival happened, it was a success and it was a really brilliant mental health day for a lot of people. and one of the reasons it was so successful um, is because people really got behind it. People were ready for it. People were waiting for a moment like this for years, for generations. Um, and when it all happened, 
the outpouring on the day. Well, if you were there, you understood exactly yeah, what I'm it was, talking it was, about. It, it was, it was a sensational like an amazing, day. Amazing day. And for weeks afterwards, we were getting messages about how it changed the lives of so many people. You know, an older woman came out to her family. She was in her early 70s. She came out to her family for the first time at the event. A younger girl came out to her family at the event as well, she's 15. So these kind of moments we didn't anticipate. Um, but also like seeing trans or non-binary people being proud, walking down the streets in Carlo for the first time. Some of my friends who are trans and non-binary never thought I'd walk down the street with a trans flag in Carlo. never. So for them to be there with their family, it was a huge moment for so many people. I suppose um, for me, it was a little bit kind of like, I not that I'm like Justin Bieber or anything, but like when he goes on tour, <laughs> he's on stage and he, he has to perform and do all his bit and stuff and everyone else is having so much fun, but he's working. Yeah. You know, so we, what my whole thing was, I didn't really per se enjoy the event. It's kind of a blur to me because my whole thing was to make sure everyone else enjoyed the event. <laughs> That's my first problem. But I really enjoyed the after part of it. Mm. I really enjoyed people connecting with me afterwards, showing me their photographs, telling me their stories, things that I wasn't part of during the day. Like I, I know I was at it now on one of the great scenes because we remember we, we marched up and went into the park and went over the river and we were going up the steps and I stopped my daughter and turned her around just so you could see, and it was just a sea, a sea yeah. of people. And I said, I didn't think I'd, I'd, I'd ever see that in Ireland, let alone in, yeah. in Carlo. And it was just, it was like, to see it was like, oh, oh my God, it's mm. amazing. Yeah, so we do talks with teenagers in, in schools. So first years and second years, we do like stand up Pride Week for yeah. uh, in schools around Ireland. And we do, just recently did Tyndall College recently. And what we say to kids is, they say to us, wow, that was such a great thing to do. And I always say to them that, you know, you can absolutely achieve something if you believe in it. And all we did was put a couple of drag queens and a few speakers in a park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really all it was. There was no budget to it. Yeah. And it changed the lives of so many people. So it doesn't take a lot to make a huge impact on people. Just like this policy that you're implementing in IT Carlo, it took a lot of work. But really, the guts of it, it's on a couple of pages, maybe 50 pages or whatever. But that's going to change life for so many people. Mm. And how do you think Ireland is at the moment when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community? I think um, Ireland is is a fantastic place to live. Um, I think, like I said before, you have to create the world you want to live in. You can't wait for it to be handed to you. Um, So if you feel like something isn't right, we can all get together and make things happen. And you're involved as well. I know, th- so there's one for IT Carlo, but you were involved in writing one as well, the, um, yeah. a policy for yourselves. So our one takes, is taking a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> for the same reason. Yeah, it takes yeah. A very contentious. But we yeah. decided, so Carlo Pride Festival Committee, we're very above, a by the book kind of a thing. You know, we do everything by the book. Even if it negatively, negatively impacts a committee yeah. member, we do it all by the book. Friends or no friends, we're very ruthless in the committee <laughs> because we want to make sure that the structure that we have in our committee lasts forever, whether we're in it or not. Um, and we want to make sure that these things happen whether we do it or not. And one of the things that we do for policy is we get an independent panel to help us for our policies so that we allow people to decide what they want to live in, what sits right with them. So we're in the process now of having an independent panel um, 
help us with parts of the policy um, and it'll come back to the committee. So we have a kind of a process in place, a long drawn out process. Mm -hmm. You have to give people time because people have very busy lives. Um, so what we're trying to do with our policy as well is because we have a little bit of sway in town when it comes to businesses and people want to get involved with Carrot Pride Festival. We, uh, one of the last year, one of the things we asked was venues that had us for fundraisers had to be wheelchair accessible and had to have some sort of um, training for staff, whether it was on uh, trans issues, gender expression. So the pubs and stuff had to go through some of those training things with staff. So now this year, what we're doing is we're going to, to, to roll out our gender expression policy as a kind of an educational template for businesses and county council. And I shouldn't be really telling them this because we don't <laughs> want them to get ahead of our... <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're going to help businesses that maybe don't have resources available to create such a thing. Um, and if we can't reach them in real life, we'll do an online teaching tutorial where we can say like, this is what you should do or these are the things that you should do if um, someone um, is mispronounced or whatever the case may be. So it's kind of like having like a, a one-on-one, 101 handbook mm. for businesses in Carlow that might grow, roll out nationally. We have, we're connected to Ireland Pride Network as well. We're one of the founding members. So things that work in Carlow, we can make work in Roscommon or Derry or whatever. Yeah. And finally, because um, I know you're heading off and, and uh, Dave will stay and we have a few more people joining us after the break. Um, Carlow Pride Festival 2021, any plans? Dates. I, I know that you're allowed to tell us. Oh, I, I, well, I'm a chairperson, so I'm not allowed to tell you anything. I make no decisions. I just, I just go with popular vote. Um, so yes, there is a 2021. Okay. Yeah, you hear heard it here right first. My, okay. my daughter would be delighted now. She's yeah. just, she's just so there is 2021. Whether virtual or in person, but hopefully, fingers crossed, in person. But yeah, we we no have a way of working around things. Yes. So we're very resourceful people. Adapt. We adapt. <laughs> very so this, good. This year we adapted and we created the Outmag, which has printed 12,000 copies, an LGBT magazine created by LGBT people. And it was published with the help of uh, the Carol Nationalist. Um, and that was us marking the occasion by telling people stories in a real palatable way. Okay. Well, John Paul, thank you very much uh, for being with us. Dave, as I said, is going to stay with us. And then after the break, um, we'll be joined by David Deneef um, and Colette Lane. So uh, we'll just give our sponsors a quick mention and we'll be back after this. Apache Pizza Carlo is delighted to be in association with IT Carlo's Students' Union. We are open from 1 to 11, seven days a week. Call in or have us deliver. Make your online classes that bit easier with our student deal. A delicious 9-inch pizza, chips and a drink from only $4.99. You can find us in the heart of Carlow Town, straight across in the fountain. You can also order from us from on our app or website, www.apache.ie. Apache Pizza, happy days. Carlow Cabs are excited to announce Carlow's very own taxi app. Just three taps and we're there. There is no journey too short or too long for Carlo's largest and most reliable cab service. You can find us by looking for the T on the back, calling 059-914000 or by downloading our app from the App Store. We guarantee a service that's fast, safe and reliable 24-7. Carlo Cabs, we're ready when you are. We asked Carlo IT students where is the best place to have the crack after college. Here's what they have to say. Oh, we love going down to Toys because the student deals are amazing. 
Well, honestly, I spent 90% of my time in Tully's. Yeah, man, I mean, Tully's is really the spot. Me and my boys always go there after school. Well, there you have it. Get on down to Tully's Tully Street, Carlo. Why not come down and try our great student meal deals? Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Tully's, Carlo's number one spot for students. My name is Emma and I'm Sales and Marketing Manager for the Talbot Hotel in Carlow. We are delighted to announce that we have partnered with IT Carlow Student Union this year to offer students a rate of €45 for a one-room night or €85 for two-room nights. The deal is available to all students needing accommodation over the academic year 2020-2021. It is valid with a student ID card and then to book it you simply phone 059-915-3000 or email us on reservations at talbothotelcarlow.ie. Hello everyone, Sean Swan, Swan's Electrical Expert Carlo here. As Carlo's largest electrical store, we're delighted to be associated with IT Carlo Students Union. We stock the full range of Apple products including phones, plus a range of Samsung tablets, watches and phones. Not to forget all your Fitbit and tracking devices, JBL speakers and headphones, laptops, PCs, gaming products and monitors at really good prices. Televisions have to be seen to be believed. So for all your electrical requirements, call to Swan's Electrical Superstore Strawhall Carlo and we look forward to seeing you. And you're very welcome back uh, to the SU podcast and a huge thank you to our sponsors uh, who make this possible uh, for us to run. Um, please support those who support us, especially during this difficult time. Uh, before the break, we were talking with uh, John Paul from Carlo uh, Pride Festival and Dave Allen, lecturer in the Faculty of Engineering. Dave has stayed with us uh, flat out all day uh, interviewing, uh, but we are delighted to be uh, joined by the Director uh, for People and EDI uh, Colette Lane and also the uh, Vice President for Academic Affairs and Registrar David Deneve. Thank you very much everybody uh, for being with us. Uh, David, we, before the break we were talking about the um, EDI policy um, and obviously the work of, of, of Carlo uh, Pride Festival but there's been a lot of work done by the college here with the Athena Swan Award. So the, uh, the Athena Swan Award, the Athena Swan Committee set up by uh, Dr Alison Keneally um, and we applied for the Athena Swan Bronze Award, um, and it primarily the Athena Swan Bronze Award. We, we we looked at the college, we looked at the policies, and we looked at areas that not only that we needed to improve, but areas that we were doing well in. Mm. And we got that award, the Bronze Award, um, last year. And I, I I'm not 100 sure. I, I think we're probably one of the few colleges to actually get it under what was called the extended charter and that we didn't just look at male female um equality we looked at equality across the board across and the I think board, that yeah. was pushed primarily from our, our senior management that they wanted to go and look at equality and diversity and inclusion inclusivity across yeah. the board um i suppose from a higher management point of view it is important that no matter uh, whether you are a student or a member of staff that everyone is feels safe and inclusive here in IT Carlo. Absolutely, absolutely, Michael. And and that's key. I mean, EDI isn't just the Athena Swan and Cleveland. The award is absolutely fabulous. And as Dave said, we were one of the few to get it early on. And we still wanted the very few institutes technology to have the Athena Swan Award. Mm. 
Uh, we have an, an EDI steering group, which is about to be replaced. We're now establishing an EDI committee that's going to go across the institute and take on a lot of the work that was being done by the committees that drove the Athena Swan Award. Mm. So it's going to be an overarching EDI committee, uh, which um, the president will, will chair, supported by Colette and uh, the team here in the institute. And under that, then, we will have a number of subcommittees. Mm. And this will drive... Uh, how we do equality, diversity and inclusion across the institute. And as Dave has really quite rightly pointed out, it's not just about gender. Mm. While, while we're here to talk today about gender and some, some of the achievements we've had, it's much broader than that. It's intersectionality, it's dealing with different minorities, ethnic groups and the whole lot. So we're, just, we work, we're very proud that we're working towards that. Um, Colette, you started here seven months ago as a human resources manager, but now have moved ship to um, Director for People, Equality, Diversity and Inclusivity. What is that role for people like me, simpletons like me, as I say? What Explain the role and the, the work involved. Well, firstly, thank you, Michael, and to my colleagues for having me t- here today. It's an absolute pleasure to be sitting in this seat and a privilege. And maybe if I link back to what David just said, the Institute is very proud, rightly so, of achieving Athena Swan Bronze Award. There were 60 key actions that came out of that award, which we're working through as an institute. And one of them was the appointment of a senior leader solely dedicated to diversity, equality and inclusion. That's how seriously and how important it's uh, seen within the institute. And I have the absolute honour of progressing from HR manager now to being in this very important and privileged position to be director for all of our staff and our students in matters relating to equality, diversity and inclusion, not just across our employment equality legislation, but absolutely every facet of our institute. Like you had mentioned earlier, we now have um, neutral access to uh, various facilities, be it our restrooms or be it our changing facilities. In all of our policies, our employment contracts, we will use uh, gender neutral terms. We will make sure from right through recruitment and selection that we have um, gender-balanced boards, that we use neutral language in all of our approaches, and that we have a very inclusive society for everybody, irrespective of which gender, background, culture, race they come from. And it's my mission, which I'm very proud of, to promote and develop the good work that's been achieved by the Athena Swan team. And not just that team, but more broadly across the Institute and everybody's efforts to date. Mm. And the main role of this policy is to do what? What, what do you think, by the when it's released, which will be this week, uh, by the time the podcast is released, what's the main aim behind it? The main aim, for, if you look at, I suppose, the full terminology of the title, it's Director for People, which is maybe a more um, elaborate term for human resources. So it's looking after the entire human resources function, right through from pre-hire through to somebody's retirement date. So it's following through the life cycle of our employees and making sure that in every step of that journey that they have equal access to any educational opportunities, any promotional opportunities, training and development opportunities to progress and making sure that I look after all of those people wearing an equality, diversity and ultimate inclusivity lens. Mm. And that extends to partnering very closely with um, David Deneuve's organisation and all of our student services. And quite often we will mutually be working on policies and initiatives together. Like, for example, our new consent framework, we're jointly partnering on that to educate not just our students, but also our entire workforce to make sure that we can all educate 
ourselves and to be there for students and staff when it comes to issues or concerns around consent. Mm. And I suppose, uh, as I mentioned, your department is quite vast. There's a lot of people um, that works uh, in it. How are you going to help Colette and the entire committee to roll out this policy into the wider student body? Uh, we're very lucky with the team we have in student services in particular. Michael, I know you've spoken to Rosie in the past and her team here, and they have been huge advocates for all students, irrespective of how they define themselves, irrespective of how they express themselves. And that's what we want to try and maintain. Mm. And uh, the, the gender um, expression policy, we're hoping, will, will build upon that. And we know it's a journey. In fact, I would say this is only version one yeah. of the gender expression policy. This will lead on. And we've taken very concrete steps to actually do that. And I mean literally concrete steps. We gave the good example there of the gender neutral bathrooms and toilets. And that was a very important step for us to take back in 2016, mm-hmm. 17, that every building within the campus has that. And even here in the Barra Centre, we have a gender neutral a dressing room or changing room and that was very important for us that we do that and we know these are small steps but through these small steps that we uh, we encourage acceptance and we encourage diversity and I think that's important that we build on that. And do you feel um, over the years in many different roles that you've been in uh, within the Institute that the Institute has like from when day one when you started to now really evolved? Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the the focuses that we're, we're at Foci, we're putting on things. We really are beginning to deliver on those, and we're being held up as examples of how mm. to do those from other institutions. Uh, from other institutions, mm. they come to us and look and see what we have done. They look at our initiatives, and they're kind of going, "Yeah, yeah." C- Carolyn also to do it. David, I'm curious, why did you get involved in this committee? Um, the uh, Tina Swan committee. Both the uh, Tina Swan and EDI. Well. I've my, my daughter I've got a daughter now and she identifies as LGBT and she's growing up um, and she's also autistic so I want for me is I want her to be able to come to a college I want her to be able to live her life and not face any of the prejudices that were there before right? and, and I mean that, I think that's the job of any parent is to make sure that their children are coming into a world or are going to live in a world that's substantially better than the one we grew up in. Mm. And I, I think that, I mean, that's always, that was my, my main driver. Um, and my other driver then is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working in the college here. I'm passionate about teaching. And one thing I hate, and it's, it's sort of, it's an Irish thing, is we try to step back and let someone else take the lead. And I, I want to see IT Carlo being held up there and people to go, oh, if we're going to do it, that's the way to do it. And I'd have to say a big thank you, I mean, to, to, to David here. He was a strong advocate on this, this, this policy, went through, and it just shows the commitment that it's not just coming from the ground up, but it is a, a huge commitment from our senior management to this policy um, and to inclusivity. Mm. Um, and it, it is, I think it's, it, it's, it can only bode well for, for the college yeah. going forward. Um, I'm, Claire, I'm, I'm curious when before you started seven months ago and you were probably looking in from an outside perspective onto IT, onto IT Carlo, did you think there was such um, a drive on the whole EDI um, thing or did you know anything about it at that particular time before you started here, say? Yeah, I'm very fortunate in that I had the privilege of being a um, 
adopted onto the governing body of IT Carlo back in 2009. So I've seen how strong and professional governance we have in the Institute of Technology and way back, I'll never forget it, even my very first meeting, we talked about gender balance on our governing body. So in some ways, maybe I think we were a little bit ahead of ourselves in terms of the diversity and inclusion. And over the years, I would have interviewed for several uh, boards, appointing staff, and it always, always was part of our documentation that we look at our, our unconscious bias documentation was presented in front of us and that we had a, a board that was made up of at least 40% females and 40% males. So to answer your question, yes, it was always a big fan and very um, full of admiration for the EDI and policies that were in place around diversity and inclusion. And I could say it wasn't just that these were words that were in policies or posted beautifully on the website. We actually did what we were said we were going to do in terms of the governing body followed through and everything and all those actions were put into place and as recently as this September we had another session of unconscious bias training with about 30 to 40 people participated so I'm very proud to be in this position and also to have seen the journey that yeah. the institute has come along. And we speak about that journey so we're, we're now in the present so the, the policy is about to be released. What's next? What's next? Well right here today this is one of the steps that we're taking we're generating as much as awareness and it's a truly a celebration to see that we've come this far and also it's a great landmark to other institutions and universities that may not have adopted it yet very sincerely want to make staff aware this is the supports that are available to you it can be a very sensitive time in a person's life if they're choosing maybe to look at assigning a gender that's different to those that's been assigned to them at birth and we have outlined quite clearly in the policy there's lots of confidential steps that they can take there's lots of areas that they can come to for support and when they are ready and only when they are ready we will put the necessary steps in place for them to help them that could be things like they might want to change um, their job title or their name title if it's a student they might want to go back and get their transcripts changed or they might last year we had last week sorry we had conferring if they want to change that once we have the appropriate document we can do that for them. So there's a number of supports on our technical systems we can put in place as well. But I am super aware of how sensitive this is for some people. And I can't reiterate enough that we are there to support them right through the journey. It's their journey. And only when they're ready to communicate and discuss, they have the power to tell us, this is how I would like to do it. Some might like to tell all of their peers and colleagues and managers straight away. Others might prefer for HR to do it for them or their manager. But we will partner with with them, excuse me, on those key steps. Okay. Well, I must say, uh, collectively, for both from a students' union perspective um, and from students, it's fantastic to see um, I suppose an institution, but also the place where we go to get educated, taking the steps uh, necessary uh, to include everyone. You must all be delighted and proud because it, it wasn't an easy road, David. There was a lot of hours yeah, toing and froing. And just as you say that, Michael, uh, one thing comes to mind is that th this has been very much a partnership. Mm. Um, the staff that fed into it, academic administrative staff, the students that fed into it are representative, staff representative bodies. I'd like to particularly commend Dave Allen for the work. He, he persisted with it over the course of, I would say, probably 18 to 21 months, yeah. Dave, roughly, we about that. And it's also the Students' Union as partners in that, Roisin and Tanya, particularly mm. over the last uh, 
a couple of years and now Alex stepping into that role it, it's really been powerful and, and I must say it was, it, was, it, was, it was humbling to be at some of those meetings kind of listening to this going yeah this is what it means and that's what I was just going did you find that you actually learned something yourselves in writing this I, I did yeah and Colette's coming new to it but I was part of I remember being on a few discussions and yeah. the assumptions I was making yes okay and I just quickly realised that you don't assume you but it's amazing assume. with a bit of edge as we, we spoke about it earlier yeah. with the student part a little bit of just simple education. Yeah. That, that, that's all it is. That simple little bit of education takes away the fear of the unknown. And mm. it's, it's that unknown. It's being afraid you might inadvertently say something that hurts someone else. That's, I think, is what's stopping a lot of people. Yeah. And it's that little bit of education where you know this is what, as we talked before, is what pronouns mean. Mm. This is how powerful... Uh, the correct pronouns can be to to people. Yeah, and I'm curious from a, a human resources point of view, have staff been supportive of this policy? Is, is it something that, yeah, they might need, I suppose, to understand certain areas of it a bit more, but they, are they mainly behind it? Oh, absolutely. Mm. There's a huge support and willingness to get involved and get engaged. I think Dave mentioned at the outset we're setting up a new EDI committee. Mm-hmm. Even before we ever set it up, I've had several requests since I took on board my new position. People wanting to get involved. There's a huge outpouring of people wanting to get involved in initiatives like this. And to commend and thank Dave for all his work. At times it can be hard going, writing and rewriting versions of the policy, but making sure that we absolutely get it crisp and clear that it's meaningful to both our staff and students. That mm. takes a lot of hard work and effort to get the final result. Not taking any of the credit for it, but it is phenomenal to see the tremendous support and now that the policy um i suppose is complete where will it be available is it available for students to view and staff to view or where can can they see this it'll be published on our on the website brilliant okay and we'll get it out to all our staff and students brilliant well folks i I want to take this opportunity because unfortunately we've 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 come to the end uh to thank you and to congratulate um, both Dave Dave and Colette uh, for all the work and your committee as well who uh, some of them can't be here obviously uh, because we're very limited on the many people we can put on the podcast Uh, but congratulations and fantastic work and we look forward um, and I think we were saying this in a previous podcast that we might do follow-up podcasts to it and kind of even if it is educational ones on the right things to say or the the wrong things to say um, because it, sometimes it is as simple as just getting to know the, the right things, a little bit of uh, self-education. But look, thanks a million folks for taking the time. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, of course you can um, on our any of our socials. We're on the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams uh, and the Snapchats or of course our wonderful website and our website as well has um, an awful lot of supports uh, for students um, that might be, uh, you know, coming out or they might um, need some support with, you know, finding the right person to go to. And they're all available under the welfare section of our website. Or, of course, you can contact our welfare officer, suwelfare at itcarlo.ie. Alex Porter, she's fantastic and very approachable. Um, So, look, until next time, um, a huge thank you to our sponsors for making all this possible. Uh, Apache Pizza, Swans Electrical, Carlo Cabs, Tullys of Carlo, and, of course, our network partners at the Talbot Hotel. Until next time, stay safe, stay active, and good luck.